Hey, this is Mike Marino, and you're listening to Ladini's Rock and Roll Circus. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome back to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. My name is Lou Lombardi, a.k.a. Ludini. Uh, the website for, uh, for us is LudiniRockAndRollCircus.com. Uh, you can check back there as often as you like for all your Ludini needs. There's uh, uh, several interviews being put up every week, uh, as well as music podcasts and a lot of fun stuff like that. A lot of uh, additional information about the artists. A little blog write-ups, links, photos, stuff like that, so you can um, uh, get the uh, get, get a, a more richer experience uh, of the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Now, there's LudiniRockandRollCircus.com. Uh, I'd like to thank my sponsor real quick, uh, Positively Pittsburgh Live Magazine. That is PPLMag.com. Uh, it's Pittsburgh's first internet radio, TV network, online community magazine, and business directory. There are uh, there's a plethora of audio and video there created by a wide variety of experts on a lot of different topics. Um, so you definitely want to check that out. Um, you can even start your own magazine page there and uh, publish your own articles and audio and video. So we'd like to uh, encourage you to do that. It's a great place to be seen by about a million unique visitors each month. That is Positively Pittsburgh Live Magazine, pplmag.com. And they've been a big supporter of independent music with the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. So oh, we're going on like three years now. Uh, good, good group of people over there. And uh, we believe in what they're doing. They believe in us. So it's a, it's a great relationship. Um, I have a, We are here for an interview today. So let's get to it. I've got Mike Marino here. Uh, Mike is uh, a very uh, uh, interesting and um, just wildly talented singer-songwriter. Um, he's uh, sort of in the uh, Americana, um, alt-country-ish sort of uh, genres there. Uh, he's uh, His latest release, uh, he's worked with uh, uh, Phil Nicolo, who worked with Bob Dylan and Billy Joel as the mixing the album as well as uh, Richard Dodd, who had worked with uh, George Harrison and Tom Petty and the Jayhawks, and, and they, he did the mastering for it. Uh, it's a very uh, great-sounding record, um, and uh, with a lot of, lot of heart and soul put into it, as you're going to hear. Uh, Mike, welcome to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. How are you? I'm doing good, Lou. Thank you for having me on. No problem, buddy. Great to be here. Um, <laughs> good. Um so you have um, you got this new album out yesterday's yesterday's tomorrow cool cool intriguing uh, title now uh, I want to get into your uh, your story you 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 you've had quite a journey here in the past few years but before we do that let's take take a big step back let's step into Mr Peabody's Wayback Machine and tell <laughs> us about like how you got into music like what got you how did you get bit by the music bug. And and how did this all get started for you? Well, um, yeah, it's been a long, strange trip indeed um, for me uh, to reveal the age. I was born in the early 60s, and I basically, um, I was fortunate enough that I caught a glimpse, and I kind of put some of this into my music too, but uh, um, back in those days, I mean, obviously the British invasion was huge, and I grew up on a farm, South Jersey farm, and um, I had an older brother who was eight years older than me. I had cousins next door that were 10, 14 years older than me. So in the 60s, obviously, me being the youngest, I was influenced by all the music that was coming into the home. And um, 
I can distinctly remember Sgt. Pepper's and Israeli Gears um, by Cream, a lot of those albums, Buffalo Springfield. And um, I don't know that it, it just, I mean, for a kid back in those days, I mean, you know, the Beatles, it was girls, it was fame, it was everything. How could you not love it, you know? There wasn't a whole right. lot going on back in those days, you know what I mean? And, and um, um, so I didn't have a lot of musical influences in the family at the time, but for some reason it just it completely clicked with me. And um, my journey really started first in writing. Um, the music came a little later in my late teens, um, when I picked up a guitar, I played trumpet and things like that in band and when I was a kid. But um, the, the writing, for some reason, just flowed um, because I've always been a little um, sentimental about time. And ironically, that, that kind of flows through a lot of my music much later in life. But uh, back in those days, it was all about um, just being engrossed in the British invasion initially. And, um, you know, I listened to all of those albums as they were coming in and they just kind of seeped into me um beach boys the harmonies uh the you know british invasion was beatles obviously stones who um the kinks and um as i grew a little older i then started to migrate more into the california west coast sound which really is what started to gel for me i mean as a musician i got into it in my later teens i um i picked up guitar and i started taking some lessons and um um, at that point, the, uh, there was an article, um, uh, many years ago in guitar player magazine, and it, um, it was called essential listening for guitarist. And I went kind of on a binge and it's a good thing I did at the time because a lot of these albums are hard to find now, but, uh, blues, jazz, classical, I, I kind of bought it all at the time. You know, I was still, oh. still learning as a musician and I, I kind of dabbled with everything, but the blues really sunk in and I have a, an incredible blues collection of albums I bought through Philadelphia, a lot of, a lot of record stores around. And ironically, one of them, one of the better ones is Romeo's right near me in, uh, in South Jersey. Um, so that's what really got it started for me though, was the British invasion. The Beatles were everything initially. And then as I started to get more serious as a musician, um, I was listening a lot and, the songwriting didn't start initially. It was pretty much poems and documenting what was going on. You know, I, I grew up on this farm, but the farm went away when I was pretty young. I was about 10 years old, and, um, and my father and uncle sold the farm that I grew up on. And that was a pretty heavy impact for me. And that is somewhat the cornerstone of what my songwriting has been about for many years, is the, what I call the erosion of the American heartland. Um, because I've been watching a lot of that, you know, I had one foot in both worlds at that time. You know, I, I came from a farming family, um, grandparents and, and father, um, even though he, he worked at a, an industrial plant here too, but, um, I watched that world erode very quickly in my lifetime because I, you know, that we call ourselves shadow boomers <laughs> that were born when I was born. And okay. they're, the kind, they're the guys and girls that were at the end of the line, so to speak. I, I, am, I should have been born 20 years uh, earlier. I wrote a song um, on my last album called 22 Late, and it chronicled um, – it was about the, the – um, my, my, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, migration of the um, folk rock um, – migration from Greenwich Village to the Sunset Strip, like Stephen Stills and all those people 
um, Neil right. Young. And I should have been there. <laughs> I would have loved to have been in Greenwich Village at that time. I would have loved to have been, you know, out in L.A. Um, or San Fran at that time because all those influences really were, uh, I consider that the best time frame in, in music, you know, the Bill Graham era. And uh, so, um, you know, it's uh, it's been an interesting journey, but that, that time frame in my life has pretty much evolved into my songwriting now, which is why I call it the erosion of the American heartland, because I've been watching it whittle away a little more all these years, especially being not, someone not born in the forties, like, you know, the Beatles and all those bands that I love, they were all born in the forties. It's amazing. I don't know what was in the water at the time, but yeah. amazing how many incredible artists and not just musical artists, but artists, you know, the, 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 the art was incredible at that time. It exploded. And um, how could you not be influenced by that, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and and you and you have sort of it's talking about both worlds. Uh, one of the things I find interesting about your sound is um, while you have the Americana thing happening, there is this sort of British invasion sort of vibe going on with it. It's a very interesting um, sound um, that that you sort of fell into. Um, and uh, I, I just, just from listening to you talk, it just seems like it was just very kind of natural for you. You know, you have yeah. your feet in both those worlds, and it just sort of flows. Yeah, I think that that's the amalgam of all of it. You know, I uh, maybe it was an advantage to some some uh, degree that um, you know I grew up listening to all of that stuff, and I had a lot of time for it to nurture. You know, and yeah. um, my songwriting just kind of naturally blends. I wouldn't call it country, but I would call it all country because, um, for example, Graham Parsons, Flying Burrito Brothers, um, yeah. his influence on the birds with things like Sweetheart of the Rodeo. And those right. those kind of albums were um, a big influence on me. Buffalo Springfield. Um, I always, you know, once I got serious about it, I started to study a lot more seriously what these artists were listening to. So I had to go back. I have a, a huge library that I read. Of, you know, things that I've read. I've not taken notes, you know, <laughs> over yeah. the years. I, I wanted to know what was making these people tick before they made it, because we all know about the sex, drugs, and rock and roll afterwards, you know. Right, but there's something special about those people and their experiences. And so it blends American history um, along with it. And, and, you know, the British invasion stuff is always going to be there, because there's some local influences, too, that I'll mention later. Um, that were very influential on me that had a lot of that British invasion kind of stuff going on, you know? Well, let's move forward a little bit in time here. Okay, let's talk a little bit about you had a period here between the Out of the Darkness and um, uh, Tomorrow's Yesterday, okay? So there was a period, that, right? If I have the chronology correct, Out of the Darkness was the record before Tomorrow's Yesterday? Correct, yes. Okay, and so there's a pretty good span there of time. And you went through some stuff like we all do. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that journey there? Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, that was uh, a turning point for me in my life. Um, I uh, Up until Out of the Darkness, and it's really strange, you know, uh, I'm almost afraid to put an album title on things now because I have to be careful. Uh, things reveal themselves, it seems, after I finish something. <laughs> Uh-oh. I think I, I think I know what I'm creating, and then you know the monster reveals itself later. Um, in that case, uh, you know, I um, 
I wound up with a health issue. I won't go into the heavy details of it, but what wound up happening is I had a thyroid issue, and there were some other things that happened, and um, it got really ugly for a while. Um, it's, right after I finished the album, and, and I was draining down during that time. I didn't know why. You know, I just I felt uh, run down, and and I was really pushing hard. I was uh, I'm running a studio myself here, and um, full-time day job and gigging and you know i was basically burning the candle on three ends and um when i finished the album um i i did what i could to get it out but then uh you know all hell broke broke loose and um i went down for about a year and a half as it turned out it, it has a good ending um you know every darkness there there's some good that comes out of it and in my case um i couldn't have fallen really any further i i uh um i wound up in in um in the hospital for quite a while and then i came out and um um my father who had uh, helped me through this period died within a month after i got out of the hospital mm-hmm. and um a lot of stuff went down really bad but i tell you and it's ironic because the album title was out of the darkness and i plunged into it literally at the end of that album um and it was a sad situation for me musically that I couldn't go out and promote the album at that time. Um, I was really upset about that. And um, But, you know, when you feel like literally everything that you have is going to go away, especially in my case, I had kids, and I, uh, I think that was the worst part of it, you know. Um, and luckily, um, through the help of um, some serious faith and um, finally got to the right person, um, doctor wise. And, um, I had to do quite a bit on my own soul searching and old, and also some, uh, some research on my own to figure out what the hell was going on because I was told wrong information, which made me pretty mm-hmm. bitter from the medical community. Um, and, um, then finally I came out of it and, and a lot of people were shocked. And, you know, when they, when they found out that I was correct in my findings online ironically you know there's a lot of e- a lot of evil i i have i have like this uh torn um emotions about the new modern techno world you know i mean um i think about george orwell and and uh, adox huxley and the brave new world a lot you know and the crazy stuff right. that's going on and ironically though that that helped to save me so there's good and bad in everything and um that in other words, the internet helped me to define and find out what was going on from from good people that were given research. And when I came out of all that, um, it it had a positive effect. It really did. I had more empathy in people. I had more empathy in 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 the world in general. And um, um, I, I didn't feel bitter. I felt kind of relieved. And it allowed me to settle in a little bit in my songwriting. And um, I won't say that the theme of my songwriting changed because, uh, you know, it, that was a natural process. And I, my songwriting is what I am at the time, you know. Mm. And um, But, you know, that's one of the reasons why it took so long for me to get to this album because there's almost a 10-year gap. I started recording. Once I've made full recovery, I, you know, I had to prove to myself I could get back out on my legs again on stage and everything. And I did that. And that was an emotional feeling for me, too, because, you know, my father didn't live to see it. And he told me I was going to. Um, That was a bit of inspiration for me, you know. Um, But uh, when I finally got back on those feet again, it felt good. And I've been very fortunate that um, I have some great support people 
and musicians and songwriters are uh, sorry not songwriters but musicians and singers that i use in my staple of restless souls and um uh and i want to get to them later on too because they are phenomenal people who have done incredible things in the music business and they've helped me to kind of you know achieve some of the goals i have in music so this album is really a a, a validation of coming back out of the darkness and it, it feels great well, speaking of it, let's go. We're going to go ahead then and, and uh, give everybody a listen. Um, uh, Mike's new, latest record is uh, Yesterday's Tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow, tomorrow's very, yesterday. I, tomorrow is it? Is it really? Tomorrow's yesterday. Yes. Oh, you know what? Melissa sent me the. <laughs> That's <laughs> okay. Has, has, I just want to make sure. Bring a backwards in the notes. Tomorrow's <laughs> yesterday. I'm high apologize. Yeah. Tomorrow's Which yesterday. actually, by Great the way, title. it stands for today. You know, tomorrow's yesterday is a pun. Okay, but yeah. mm-hmm. that's the whole thing to to bring that whole thing to fruition of what I was just saying about what I went through. If you think about it, tomorrow's yesterday is what it's today, uh, and that's true. what I'm living for. So that's what that was all about. Is I wanted to give the title of this album something you know that that related to you know I've spent a lifetime thinking about the past and or lamenting on the past and and dreaming of the future, but you know it's all about right now. That's, that's right. Yep. And right now we're going to listen to this is the lead track off of the off of tomorrow's yesterday. This is Sarah Don't Leave Me. Guys, check it out on the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. I saw you last summer walking through the park. I was just dreaming before the dark Trapped in tomorrow, nowhere to run Pray I find shelter under the sun Sarah, don't leave me alone in this town Search for answers that just 
okay, very cool, you know, great. I mean, like, what can you say about that? Just, like, a beautiful, you know, uh, performance, great instrumentation, everything kind of, like, flows as it should. Um, so tell us a little bit about the, 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 this album, the recording of it, who worked with you on it, and uh, your uh, your restless souls. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'd, I'd always love to give credence to these people because uh, – it's been a fun time working with them, and some of them are people that I looked up to um, many years ago growing up and um, managed to pull them into the stable here. Um, Tomorrow's Yesterday was actually one of the most ambitious projects that I've put together um, to date. There's 16 people on this album, including myself. Um, so what happened was I I always write the songs, you know, solely, myself, and... Um, and decide on my lineup. And um, I, I, you know, last when I did Out of the Darkness, I had traveled around quite a bit in studios. I was uh, I worked with Dave Bennett, Tony Bennett, Tony Bennett's son, up in uh, um, uh, North Jersey in Englewood, and um, worked at uh, Surefire Recording with um, Dennis Drake, who had done uh, Blind Faith's album. He was the uh, master engineer on that. He worked with a lot of neat people. So I was kind of experimenting with different studios in the area. I worked at Milk Boy in Philly. Um, so this time I thought, you know, I don't want to bounce around like a ping pong ball trying to do this album. I, I need to produce this as consistently as possible. And I um, wound up finding Ford's recording out in uh, um, uh, Orland, Pennsylvania. And um, I had a uh, a really good time doing all the tracking there. I worked with Ronnie DiSilvestro, excellent drummer, engineer. Um, so the people that I pulled in, um, some of the ones that were on my previous albums, Don Plowman on drums and uh, and Jimmy Hines, and um, they're both military guys, outstanding rhythm section. Um, I can go into detail on all these guys, but I'd probably take up four hours telling you their, their resumes <laughs> and stuff. We don't have enough time to tell you, but I'll give you a little bit of highlights on a couple of these people. Um, um, so we, we tracked all the rhythm tracks and, and basic tracks there at Forge. And um, as it turned out, uh, I, I realized Phil Niccolo, who was a Grammy winner here in Philadelphia, he did all the Hooters stuff. He worked with Billy Joel, um, Bob Dylan. Bob, Bob actually liked Concha Hawking. Nobody knew who he was. He'd sit on a park bench outside, and people would walk by, and, he, and they wouldn't even recognize him. Um, it's funny. You know, Phil's a great guy. And um, I wound up mixing there on one of the greatest Neves in the country. I mean, uh, the, the uh, 72 Neve board he has, and, and he, uh, he's got some stuff from the Hit Factory there and some other things. It was, it was really a wonderful experience. So I brought in... Um, most of the people I brought in, Ronnie helped me, uh, who helped me produce this, uh, brought in some, some musicians from Philadelphia and New York. Uh, so I'll give you the names and, um, and go through them. The singers on this album, I sing all the leads, but uh, Jen McCracken, who uh, appears courtesy of MCD Music, um, and uh, Rachel Conrad, who is um, signed with John Anthony, I believe, here in Philadelphia, um, Michael Volpe, Mike's an old friend of mine. He was one of the founding members of Abbey Road, one of the first Beatlemanias in the country. Great singer, great guy. And my cousin-in-law, Bobby Campanell, who I've always looked up to. Bobby is an amazing singer. He was the um, co-founder of a band called The Shakes with Mi Vinny Mad Dog Lopez of Springsteen's East Street Band. And he was at the Stone Pony at that time. Bruce sang many times with him. They, uh, and... Um, Bobby was a big influence on me when I said earlier, 
you know, there were some influences locally for me with regards to British Invasion kind of stuff and Motown and things like that. And Bobby, um, big influence. And he's he's a beloved singer here in southern New Jersey. Um, so those were the singers. And then players, uh, my, I mentioned Donnie Plowman and Jim Hines on rhythm section. And then I wound up using uh, Ronnie Silvestro on drums. Outstanding job he did. And Robbie Fraser, who I've gigged with quite a bit. Rob's a great bass player. He, he played... Uh, 40 years, I mean, you know, covering the Texas scene, you know, uh, that fabulous Thunderbirds, I think he worked with at one time way back. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he's, you know, um, I had uh, Tony Mascara do a, a part with Sitar Bob on the intro of 60s Child. Um, my friend Carlo D'Alessandro, who has been a keyboard player, he's played the piano bars down in AC, Atlantic City for many years, and uh, part of that 70s band. Um, Brendan McGeehan came in and did some beautiful work with a uh, Mellotron on a track and uh, some B3. And um, <clears throat> Althea Glow was a uh, fiddle player that we brought in. Uh, wonderful girl. This girl's a Russian, and uh, she wound up with a full scholarship to Temple University, and she did some beautiful work for us. In fact, she layered like 16 tracks of violin on uh, one of the tracks on this that are just gorgeous, on a song called Time Past, uh, Time Past You. And um, Jimmy Heffernan, now I get to this, uh, Mark Johnson, who I did a duo with for several years. He's a... Uh, Graduate from the Musicians Institute in Hollywood, uh, guitar instructor, did some beautiful, tasty guitar on here. And Jimmy Heffernan, who is uh, a monster here in South Jersey, but he covers the world. He is one of the best dobro players in the country. And Jimmy has played stages from The Tonight Show to uh, the Grand Old Opry. He has uh, toured with the likes of Wilson Pickett and Brad, pa uh, Brad Paisley and um, several other people. Um he did the lap steel and uh, and all the pedal steel stuff, including on Sarah, which you heard. Um, yeah. Danny Iyer is another great guitar player. So the the other the guitar parts I share, I, I do leads on about half of these songs, and I managed to get you know when Stephen Stills did his solo album, I just I'm just reading one of his a book on him now, and I already knew this, but it's fun to listen to again, and he. Uh, must have been nice. Back in those days, he tapped two of his good friends, uh, a guy named Eric Clapton and, and Jimmy Pate. I mean, uh, Jimmy Jimmy Hendricks. I'm thinking, man, you know, not a bad lineup, you know. So, but I do I do it on a on a smaller scale. I managed to do it, but nonetheless, and not to demean, uh, you know, diminish uh, these guys. I do the same thing, you know. I, I find the very best that I can to surround myself. You know the old saying, you know, surround yourself with good people and good things happen. So I tap Danny Iyer and Mike Dugan, and I can't say enough about these two guys. Danny has toured with everybody you can think of, um, including Chuck Berry. Um, he is a phenomenal Telecaster player, and, um, you know, he's he's been a staple here in the uh, southern New Jersey region, but he was also a national guy along with Jimmy Heffernan, and um, Mike Dugan is my mentor. Um, <clears throat> Michael, Mike is blues man. He was voted blues man of the year by Show Business News in New York City back about 20 years ago, and that was right in succession after it was awarded previously to Mike Bloomfield, Roy Buchanan, and Eric Clapton. So if that tells you anything about Dugan, good company. <laughs> yeah, he is he is phenomenal, and I mean you know it's 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 all inspiring because <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> for me to um, to bring this level of people 
into my right. project. It breathes life into my music uh, at a level that I could have only imagined when I was, you know, starting out in my late teens and early 20s, you know? Yeah. So uh, that's the lineup. And, um, I mean, like I said, I could talk for days about all of these people. They were all... I can honestly say in doing this project, there was not one single incident of somebody being hard to deal with, you know? Right. It was it was about supporting the music. That's what it's supposed to be about. And when that happens, it is, uh, it's more powerful than any individuals, you know? Of course, yeah. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell us, um, then, you've got the, you've got the record out, uh, tomorrow's yesterday, um, you've, you know, you're, 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 you're recovered from, um, all the, you know, the, the illness and all the stuff you, you know, you've got things turned around. So what does the next six to 12 months, uh, look like for you, you touring with what's going to be going on? Well, I'm busy. Um, not so much gigging yet. <laughs> I, I have so many things in the fire. Sometimes it gets a little scary because, you know, I'm trying to juggle a lot. Um, Currently, I was just in, in video editing yesterday. Um, when I did that project, I, I don't know how I managed to do it, but I got a video cam, and I took a lot of video of, of producing this album, and um, I'm going to be putting out a video shortly of the uh, the recording process and everything with right. you know, highlighting a lot of these people. So that should be out soon. Um, I'm also uh, in the process of going down to Delaware and doing a, um, a video basically of covers, um, you know, I've 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 played a lot more over the years in cover bands and blues jams, and I soloed and duoed and stuff like that. So now that I've got this under my, I I wanted to do this album before I went out and started gigging or trying to promote any original material again. I had to get this out of my system. I'm weird, like you know, I have certain things that I just have to do first, and and. Having that done now, I am. Uh, I just did World Cafe Live um, last fall over in Philadelphia, um, and I'm going to pursue the uh, Philadelphia Songwriters Project. There are several venues in the Philadelphia area that I can showcase some original stuff, so that's on the agenda. Um, places like World Cafe, Burlap and Bean, um, Kenneth Flash, Steel City. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, kind of strange, you know. I watched... The South Jersey scene just exploded back when I was a kid. I was yeah. I was one of those lucky ones that managed to get a fake ID when I wasn't even of age and go down to Wildwood and all those places. And I have some friends of mine that are, you know, now they're considerably older than me. They were the guys that were playing on these bands. And, I mean, back in those days, you know, the scene was just incredible. It was incredible. There was... Uh, so many people coming out to those gigs. They were lined up down the street and around the corner. I don't yeah. see that scene in southern New Jersey now. It's it's kind of a shame that 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 part has evaporated to a certain degree. Hence, more of the evaporation, you know, of my songwriting. But um, um, I do see on a positive side though some creative a avenues that are more so on the other side of the bridge in the uh, Pennsylvania Philadelphia area, and that's. Yeah. That's my primary focus now. Okay, very good. So for, for you folks over there, they're in the uh, uh, Philadelphia area or so, um, you know, stay tuned with Mike and, and see what's coming up so you can go check him out. Mike, what, go ahead and give out your website and everything so, so guys can keep up with what you have going on. Sure. Uh, my website is Mike, T is in Thomas, Marino, and the Marino is spelled like Dan Marino, no relation, M-A-R-I-N-O, all one word, Mike T. Marino. Um, dot com 
or Restless Soul. <clears throat> that is the name of my publishing company. And Restless Soul is all one word as well. So it's R-E-S-T-L-E-S-S-S-O-U-L.com. And uh, they can check me out there or Facebook or whatever they like. And yeah, guys, when, just when you go when you go to uh, Mike's uh, website, I just want to let you guys know there's a he has a pretty c- cool YouTube presence. So check, uh, click on the little YouTube icon there because there's a lot of cool videos, um, some great um, videos of him playing with bands, doing some of like some great classic songs like uh, "Heart Full of Soul" and "Sweet Melissa's and stuff like that. Um, just a, a excellent. He brings the good live, so it's very cool. And there's some great in studio performances and stuff like that too. So um, you can get a great experience on YouTube with uh, Mike's channel. Mike, there should be some more that. coming too on that too. Thanks. Good, good, loving it. Uh, any closing thoughts before we uh, wrap up today's podcast? Um, you know, I just uh, I, I really appreciate you having me on, Lou. It's it's been a pleasure, and um, you know, it's nice to see that what you're doing is is wonderful. You know, I have to commend you because. Um, what you're doing is giving an avenue to the arts that need to survive. You know, it's, it's there's a lot of people out there vying for, for not as many opportunities in many ways, you know. But ultimately, um, I would leave you with what I said on my uh, inside my album on this and that, uh, you know, without reading the whole thing, basically what it came down to is, you know, in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make, is what the Beatles said, right? And yeah. we can't always necessarily be, you know, massive, um, successful rock stars and all that stuff, but you can go out and do your art and take it seriously. And um, thanks to people like you, we have an avenue to get out there and do that. So I appreciate yeah. that. No, you know, that's what we're here for. Uh, my, uh, Mike, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for sharing your story with us today. I just hang, if you could hang on for a minute while I wrap up the podcast, we need to do a little business after we're done. You, can you stick around for a minute? Sure. Thank you. No problem. All right. Guys, you've been listening to the Luzini Rock and Roll Circus, my talk with Mike Marino, and his website, again, is MikeTMarino.com. And from there, you can jump off to all the social media stuff. Like I was saying, definitely want to make sure you don't miss the YouTube uh, channel. It's very cool. Uh, A lot of great stuff there. MikeTMarino.com is the website. Um, Guys, you've been listening to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. My my, uh, website is LudiniRockAndRollCircus.com. And one more shout-out to my sponsor, Positively Pittsburgh Live Magazine, pplmag.com. Uh, go check them out. Uh, they've got a lot of great stuff to offer, and uh, uh, we really uh, are appreciative for uh, all their help with the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus over the years. Guys, my name is Lou Lombardi, a.k.a. Ludini. Thanks so much for listening. That website for Mike, one more time, is MikeTMarino.com. Go check them out. Guys, have a wonderful rest of the day, and we'll catch you on the next podcast.